Hey, New Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thanks for listening in. The heart of our church is that you would know Jesus, that you would walk with Jesus, and you would learn how to live like he lived. We hope that this message equips you and empowers you on your journey walking with Jesus. Amen, amen. Don't we just love Pastor Bronson? <laughs> Turn around and give someone a chest bump. <laughs> well, hey, that's for NFL Sunday, uh, Super Bowl Sunday. But uh, my name is Dwayne Clayton. I get an opportunity to serve here. My wife and I, Marquet, uh, One Flesh, We Are One, uh, Marriage, Small Group. And so we're just excited. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for just your grace, your mercy, your loving kindness, your sovereignty. That God, we don't have to worry. We don't have to fret that you know everything about us. You know everything that we stand in need of. As we've been in this human series, humanity series, God, we can see with practical application how we put in spiritual disciplines and healthy boundaries in our lives to, number one, love ourselves and then love other people. So we thank you for that. We thank you for Pastor Bronson and, and bringing this series and bringing it to our remembrance that we need to get in rhythms to live out this life in Christendom. Forgive us now so that we won't allow the accuser of the brethren to keep us from seeing ourselves how you see us. These are the blessings we ask in your darling son, Jesus' name. Thank God. Amen. Well, hey, it's a great day to be in church. It's a great day to continue in this series, Humanity or Humans. And what I think about oftentimes, being an art major, I try to make life as simple as possible, but my wife would say differently. <laughs> but I, the human life can be so simple, but yet so complex. Being blessed this morning by the praise team, uh, I was thinking about the song as they sing, we have this confidence and we know that Jesus will finish what he started. And then they sing, we will sing a hallelujah. And then the last song, they said, Jesus, and then he's our hope, he's our freedom, but also in his presence is power and healing. And so today we want to see how in the scriptures those things can manifest in our lives today. Is that all right with you all? Yeah. So just uh, thinking about if I were to do like Pastor Bronson for a thesis this morning, a picture of reconciliation when human wisdom fails. Does that sound like a place where any of us can fit in? A picture of reconciliation when human wisdom fails. And we're going to be reading, if you would stand for the reading, we're going to be starting in Matthew chapter 23. And this is Jesus speaking to, to the crowds, the multitudes, and then also the disciples. Matthew 23, verse 1, it says, And then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples. The scribes and the Pharisees are seated in the chair of Moses. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it. But don't do what they do because they don't practice what they teach. Verse 4, they tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry, 
and put on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Verse 5, and then they enlarge their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love the place of honor at banquets in the front seat in synagogues or churches and greetings in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by people. You may be seated. So in this passage, Jesus has given this message to his disciples and also the multitudes. In this text, we see church people, the church folk, the separated or the called out. And do any of us know people who are intellectually sound but spiritually weak? Oftentimes, we depend on knowledge apart from wisdom. And see, the thing about wisdom is, wisdom is what we do with the knowledge that we have. And so when we get an occasion like this where Jesus is talking to the people about follow the things that they say, do, and observe it because this was the law. This was the practice. These are the healthy boundaries that help us govern our lives. But at the same time, he said, but don't do what they do because they themselves don't practice it. We have to be very careful in our lives to not watch other people, but make sure that we keep our eyes on Jesus. Do any of you know people that are super saints? Oh, I know y'all know some folks. Super saints, that means they, when you ask them how they're doing, I'm blessed and highly favored and never really articulate that I'm going through some things in my life. I know from my own personal self, I can remember and I reflect on my life that I was so heaven bound, I thought, but I was no earthly good. You know what I'm talking about, better than everybody else. And so in this particular context of the scriptures, what Jesus was doing, he was not condemning the Pharisees for their tassels and phylacteries, but he was also pointing out that there is some hypocrisy involved behind their religious and public appearance. He points out their excessiveness and how they were showing off and putting on. He was pointing out motive. Yes, it's good to share the word of God with people, but we also need to find ourselves helping the saints, edifying the saints so that we can get to the same place together. And one of the things I found out in my life is if you're a parent, if you have children, you know that rules without relationship can lead to rebellion, can lead to disconnect, can lead to anxiety. And in real life, as we reflect over our lives, I'm just talking about Dwayne today, I remember myself being like a super saint, like I had been dipped in Jesus, but kept up more mess than anybody else in the church. Amen, lights. So here we see that in this contrast of Matthew chapter 23, we see Jesus gives another message in Matthew chapter 5. A lot of people know it as the Sermon on the Mount. And so he began speaking. In verse 3, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I think I should read that one again. Blessed are they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the children of God. 
And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then I'll conclude with verse 11. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you falsely and say all manners of evil about you and against you because of me. Not because you're Dwayne, not because you are who you are, but because of Christ. Then he says, be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. And so as we think about this thesis, a picture of reconciliation when human wisdom fails, we see in both passages of scripture, we see there are people that knew the word, but didn't actually put it into practice. And we see here in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus tells us what we could do and what we should do and the blessings that come behind it. Yet today, the worldview of humanity would say, get even. Don't pray for those folk that despitefully misuse you. Do what, do what you want to do. And get all you can while you can, and then get some more, and step on some people along the way. So see, be very careful of folk who quote scripture, but use it for their own gain. See, there's one passage in the psalm that says, make your enemy, I will make your enemies your footstool. But guess what? A footstool only helps you get to a place where God wants you to be. A footstool, and, and she may get me for saying, a lot of times Marquette is putting up, uh, after doing laundry, she's putting things up. I said, you know, there's a stool in there that's going to help you reach that better. And so we don't kick a footstool around and treat it any kind of way. A footstool help us get to a place that we're trying to reach that we couldn't otherwise reach. And so the truth of the matter, as we think about humanity, all of us, each one of us, we, our humanity will cause us to chase our own selfish desires, even if it's outside of God's will for our lives. And we have to be very careful. And that's just the makeup of human. The makeup of human is this. I have genetics. I got some of this lady's genetics right here. That's mama. I got some of her genetics. And then I got some other genetics from A.D. Williams. And, and my wife and mother both will say, oh, my Lord. But I have that gene makeup. And so we're made up of mind, body, and soul. And so a lot of people will say, well, I'm, I'm, that's just who I am. And sometimes that's true. But what happens is this sin gene that we have and that we were born with, we have to be mindful, too, that there is a process called regeneration, that we can be regened. And see, once you become in Christ, now you got a new genetic makeup. See, a man born of a woman is yet of a few days and full of trouble, according to the book of Job. And so here, I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. The human Mind is a carnal mind and does not mind the things of God. That's why the scripture tells us, let this mind be in us that is also in Christ Jesus. Everything that Pastor Brunson has been telling us to start this year off, get into some spiritual rhythms, get into some spiritual disciplines. Uh, Mike talked about it this morning with home team. See, we got to be mindful that if we walk after the spirit, so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. What you talking about, preacher? How do I do that? See, you can't walk after the Spirit unless you open up the book and find out what the Spirit mind is. And see, the, the, the Lord knows that we're made up with a carnal nature. And, and one old preacher said it like this, the dog that you feed the most is a dog that's going to win the battle. 
And so we got to get in those rhythms. The carnal mind is dominated by selfishness, self-will, and self-seeking. Romans 8 and 7 gives us a better picture of it than I can even articulate myself. It says, Romans 8 and 7, the mindset of the flesh is hostile towards God because it does not submit itself to God's law. Guess what else it says? Because it's unable to do so. Paul, in the chapter before that, he talked about, I got this war going on in my mind. The things I should do, I don't do. The things I should do, I don't do. And then he talks about this flesh man and this old wretched man that I am, but he knows that we have to yield to the spirit. Wrong thinking leads to wrong actions. What is the mind of Christ? Psalms 1. Thank you, men's prayer group. See, these are spiritual disciplines and rhythms. Uh, Wednesday morning, we were talking about things that we could really do and put into practice in our lives. What is God's mind? What is the, the thinking? What is the mind of Christ? Psalms 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, the stand in the way of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord that we must meditate on both day and night. Now, how many of us know that if we put our mind on that, that will definitely help our actions if we put them into practice. But the first thing is, and G.I. Joe said it, knowing is half the battle. That's right. Knowing is half the battle. But if we don't know, how can we grow? So we have this mind of Christ is how we get better and then we look at humanity today who have become desensitized to the things of God because so much worldly has happened. We have this throwaway society. Instead of fixing things, we toss them out and look for new solutions. And we do it to people too. See, family and conflict occurs and we say, I'm done with them. But when in reality is God wants us to fix it and reconcile, and how do we do that? He has to be the center. We do it to people, council culture. When relationships are broken, instead of putting the work in and it takes to fix things, they just toss them aside. I remember one time, and I'm not a fan of uh, reality TV, but I remember, never will forget, Dr. Phil, uh, this couple was going through something, and the lady talked about everything that she had done after they split up. And he was like, wow. He said, had both of you done all of these things on the front end, you'd still be together. And I think oftentimes, too, and even as believers we do, that, that God just going to come and fix it. But there's some work required on our behalf. One of the things that we have to be very careful of, I think it's in uh, Peter, it says, Husbands, lend yourselves to your wives, who's the weaker vessel, so that your prayers will not be hindered. I can't pray to God and think that it's going to get past the ceiling if I'm not treating this woman right. Now, that's practical. That's practical. We have conflict, and instead of going in prayer about the conflict, we go outside the church and think it's going to be help. We are to bear the infirmities of one another. Not like the illness, but we have to pray for one another. The list that Pastor Brunson read, those, there's power in prayer. And so God knows some things will break when we come to him in prayer. 
He wants us to fix the things that matters most. And one of the things that matters most to us on a daily basis is our relationships. The horizontal relationship with people will not improve till our vertical relationship with God is improved. And one passage of scripture says it like this, be careful how we entertain strangers. We may be entertaining angels unannounced. There was a song, I don't know if you all remember, by Human League. I wish I could sing it. I'm only human, flesh and blood. And so when we look at that, we got to understand, too, that God knows our makeup. Psalms 103 and 14 says, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we're just dust. And even in knowing that, we know that we got to begin to get in those rhythms because our mind is, is ultimately carnal. And against God's will, we got to begin to get in those rhythms, prayer and, and spiritual disciplines. And one of the things I found out, no, no matter where we go in life or on this earth, the safest place to be is in God's will. That's the safest place to be. He knows that we're human. He knows that the man born of woman is yet of a few days and full of trouble. Sin is an internal conflict that spreads outwardly when it's not dealt with. This statement is true, that hurt people hurt people. Today, I want to zoom in on this piece about reconciling broken relationships in our lives. We will always choose wrong if we don't see ourselves right. That was a good, that was a good shout that Pastor Brunson had a few weeks ago. I wrote it down. Why don't you write that down? We will always see ourselves wrong. We will always choose wrong if we don't see ourselves right. And there is a way that God helps us fix what's broken. Listen, life is about relationships. And the longer we live, the more we will understand that life isn't about money. It isn't about our pleasures, about our hobbies. At the end of the day, it's about the people in our lives that matters most, our loved ones. And so how are we going to resolve conflict? How do we reconcile? James 4, 1 through 2 says this, what causes fights? and quarrels among us. Do they come from your desires that battle within you? You do desire, but do not have. So you kill, you covet, but cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And here's the problem. No one taught us how to navigate conflict. There was no manual when we started off on this journey to navigate conflict, except for this book here. How do we patch up brokenness? And if I would be honest with myself today, most of us struggle with coping with conflict. Here's another thing for us today, if we really be mindful of this. The uniqueness of unity is that we do not have to be the same. The uniqueness of unity. We're going to watch something today, or some of you may, the Super Bowl. There's all these different positions. We have linemen, defensive backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, coaches, assistant coaches. And all of them have distinct functions, just like the church. But they're unified for a certain purpose, is to move the ball. And ultimately across the goal line. They are different. Those positions are not the same but they have a common goal. Ephesians 2, verses 11 says this, Ephesians chapter 2. So then remember that at one time 
you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, done so by hand in the flesh. Verse 12, and at that time you were without the Messiah, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, with no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, but now in Christ, now in Christ Jesus, you were far away and have been brought near by the blood of the Messiah. For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. Verse 15, he did away with the law of the commandments and regulations so that he might create in himself a new man from the two resulting in peace. And he did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross and put hostility to death. And when Christ came, he proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Verse 18 in closing with, for through him we have been both access by one spirit to the Father. Now what is that saying? There was the circumcised and the uncircumcised, different people, Jews and Gentiles. And Christ came to reconcile. He tore down the dividing wall. Paul talked about it in Romans. There is no Jew, no Greek, but we're all in, one in him. And so how do we make this? What does this mean to us and our families? If there is a dividing wall that has us separated, we have to be forgiving. We have to be loving. We have to understand, too, that as Christ forgave us, we got to forgive one another. Unforgiveness is like this. It's like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. I think I'll say that again. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. But the beauty of reconciliation is this. It's almost like when you've, you've seen an automobile accident, not saying that anybody was harmed, but the vehicle itself was damaged. And the insurance company says, no, you can't, you can't do anything with this. So we're going to tow this vehicle out. But what really happens is it goes to a salvage yard or you pull it. And guess what people do? People like me that don't have a lot of money will go and buy some of those parts and use it for some good. We got to understand that there are some things in our lives that God is trying to grow us regardless of what happened. But there are some things, whether bad or good, that God will use us to grow and get better. So even in conflict in our relationships with family, use that to see the goodness of God and how he can redeem us from the curse of the law and reconcile us back to him. Physical and personal differences are not celebrated. God has made each one of us so unique. We can celebrate how beautifully and wonderfully we all are and how we are made. We don't need to be alike. We don't need, to, we just must build a life-giving culture so that people can thrive in. Don't have to agree on everything. And when everyone thinks the same, eventually no one thinks at all. We'll see something today, two minds, as people would say, masterminds, as Kansas City and Philadelphia line up today. One more passage of scripture, and I'll be taking my seat. It's found in Colossians, if you would go there with me. Colossians chapter 1. 
Paul speaking with the church at Colossians. I'll start at verse 9. For this reason, and I'm trying to get us to understand how we reconcile and why we can reconcile. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. Prayer is essential. We are asking that you may be filled with the spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. And he has rescued us from the domain of darkness, has transformed us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Verse 14, in him whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, he is the expressed image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Verse 16, because of him and by him, everything was created. Dropping down to verse 20, and through him, to reconcile everything to himself, making peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And you were once alienated and hostile in mind because of our evil actions. But know he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death and to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. So all I'm trying to drive home today is how do we apply Reconciliation to our lives. Understanding what Christ did for us. There was one man who owed another man a debt. And when that man didn't pay right away, he wanted to kill him. Somebody asked Jesus, how many times should we forgive? And he said, 70 times seven. And so all these things are practical ways that we can really get into a groove or a rhythm of how we begin to reconcile people back. This is what Jesus said. He said, with love and kindness have I drawn thee. We got to use the same formula. I remember a time, I'm just telling you who I used to be, when I used to use this and beat folk over the head, so-called with the truth. This is what you better do. This is what you better do. But guess what? Some folk rather see a sermon than to hear one. How can I love God whom I've never seen and I don't love people that I see every day? People won't remember what you tell them, but they sure will remember how you made them feel. Jesus began to pray for his disciples in John chapter 17 because he knew they would begin to face persecution. He knew that the road wouldn't be easy. Help me, Mary, Mary. Nobody told us that the road would be easy. But the truth of the matter is that we cannot believe that Jesus has brought us this far to leave us here. John chapter 17, verse 20, he says, I pray not only for those or these, but also for those who believe in me, that through their message, may they all be one, different ethnicities, different skin color, different hues, different beliefs, but believing there is one true God in the person of Jesus. I have given, sorry, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us so that the world may believe, that the world may believe how the world going to believe when we don't get along? 
I have come into the world not to condemn the world, but that through Jesus Christ that the world might be saved. I have given them the glory you have given me. May they be one as we are one. And I am in them and you are in me. That sounds like John 15. And I am in them and you are in me. May they be made completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and that have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire those that you have given me to be with me where I am. And then they will see my glory for which you have given me because you've loved me before the world's foundation. The good news is that God is a reconciler, that Jesus is a reconciler. I learned the true image of redemption through, not through the scripture so much, which it has a great illustration. But my mother was a couponer. She is a couponer. And I would not understand how when she would go to the store and give these little cutout squares to the clerk and it had value. And then the bill would be different after they scanned those coupons. I can remember when Kroger stopped redeeming them for a, doubling the coupons from a dollar. They would double them and, and she got angry about that. But what I'm trying to show you is their value and redemption. When you redeem that coupon, it's being bought back. And that's the beauty of reconciliation through Jesus Christ, that he will buy you back. Even when the enemy counted you out, he will buy you back. Even when nobody else seemed as if they love you, he will buy you back. How do we apply this to our lives? We apply this to our lives that culture and race cannot be an excuse not to reconcile. Where I grew up on this side of the tracks cannot be an excuse for us not to reconcile. If we walk after the Spirit, that means, that, hey, I used to walk on this side of the street. I used to walk on that. But if I walk after the Spirit, the flesh is still there. The flesh is still pulling on me. The flesh is still tugging on me. But if I walk after the Spirit, no, this is what God says do. And then there's accountability. Pastor Brunson said, Dwayne, how you doing? Hey, but this is what God says do. Those accountability checks, those healthy boundaries. And we walk after the Spirit through spiritual disciplines, through spiritual practices, through healthy rhythms. And then we begin to fulfill those things of the Spirit. We mind those things of the Spirit. And in the storms of life, Jesus is able to say, peace be still. Talking about humanity here, I'm going to put a bow on it. Jesus himself Paul told the church at Colossae, he is the express image of the invisible God. Pharisees and Sadducees got upset with him. What authority does this man speak? And he told him, I spoke by my own authority as the Father has given me. Jesus in his humanity went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he showed humanity. He says, Father, if, it, if you will, let this cup pass from me. That's the humanity of Jesus. The humanity of Jesus is this also to said at all points he was tempted just like we are, yet without sin. But the humanity of Jesus said this as he was praying. And the scripture says it was like beads of blood sweat as he was praying. Must have been praying hard. But he said, nevertheless, not my will. Humanity turns into deity, but your will be done. 
And so what he did was, hey, I'm going to go to this old rugged cross. Because from the foundation of the world, he knew that we couldn't do the things that he would have us to do without him doing that. He has be, had become a propitiation for our sins. So he went to the cross, said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And the whole ministry of Paul was reconciling us back to Jesus. He says, I counted all dung for the sake of Christ and him crucified. So as I submit to you in the words of Pastor Brunson, let me submit to you this morning a picture of reconciliation when human wisdom fails looks like this. That I'm not going to carry this burden alone. I'm not going to let this weight of unforgiveness prevent me from living the life that God has called me to live. I'm going to submit that let this mind be in me that is also in Christ Jesus by getting his word. I'm going to submit to you that we can't hold on to stuff. Paul said it like this, all things are lawful, all things are permissible, but all things doesn't build up. If it's not helping you or helping your household, let it go. And so as we get ready to look at some spiritual disciplines that we do, we have our prayer cards here. And I don't want us to take this moment lightly. Some of us have been praying for things for a long time. Continue to do that. Because our time is not the same time as God's time. We operate on Kronos, but he operates on Kairos, a divine moment. There's candles over here that you can light. And just saying, God, I'm trusting you. And that if you don't do it, I know that nobody else can. We have our communion in the back that we're called and reminded to, as often as we do this, do it in remembrance of Jesus and his shed blood and his broken body. But I got a feeling that there's somebody in this house that's in dire need of reconciliation in your families. And don't you let this moment go by without going to the back and praying with someone. We got Pastor Marius, we got Pastor Brunson here. If you know you need reconciling, I'm not just talking about the physical and the humanity part of it, but I'm talking about your spirit is perplexed because you're holding on to something that God told you to release to him. The scripture says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you've told us, you've given us a prescription, you've given us an anecdote to all of life's problems. And so as we go into this next period of worship, Lord God, that we can depend on you. We can depend on the saints of God to pray for us, to lift us up. And also that we can understand it's okay to not be okay. And God, we're going to call on you in faith. We're going to call on you in expectancy. And we're going to call on you in dependency, Lord God, that even if you don't do it today, we know that you can. So God, forgive us now. Help us to lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us, looking unto you, the author and finisher of our faith. If you have these requests, we want you to move as the praise team begins to sing, that we can pray for you, you can light a candle, you can get communion. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Hey, stand to your feet all across the room. Uh, as Dwayne said, we're going to go to a time of response. And I thought it would be good, uh, Dwayne, as you were going through that, the, the verse that came to mind for me was forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Um, and, you know, something that Callie and I've committed to is, you know, Jesus came to bring forgiveness into the world, right? So when we don't forgive, we're actually stopping the ministry of Jesus. Whew. Think about that. That's a heavy weight, right? And for us, we decided, hey, we're not going to hold on to that bag. And so two, two questions I've got for you, and we're going to go to response, as Dwayne said. We're going to pray, go to response. Um, is there anyone that you need to forgive? And is there anyone you need to ask for forgiveness? So let's ponder on this. Uh, throw up the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray this together as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's respond. Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review, things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, if you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at, at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.